disappointed, I believe, or who I believe that's who's going back with them. And the nursery. <clears throat> Let's see. I think that make sure that see who's back there. I believe they're back there, so. Amen. All right. All right. Well, let's open up our Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We are uh, three weeks away from 2020 and uh, the new year. And all year, this is the first time, actually, this is the first time I think I ever preached a series the, in, the entire year. We preached on the supernatural all year in 2019. And uh, we started in January and probably the end of December. And, and we've talked about the supernatural all throughout uh, 2019, different aspects of it, different things like that. And, uh, and starting, you know, as, as I was asking the Lord about just what to, uh, what to minister on and what, you know, what to share today, um, I just, you know, uh, the Lord started talking to me about 2020. And I don't know, about two months ago, the Lord started talking to me about the word that He gave us for 2020 and what, what 2020 was going to hold. And, uh, and man, it's just been growing and I've been, I've been anxious to start it. And uh, he's kind of giving me he's kind of giving me direction to to, to kind of start laying the foundation for what we're going to be talking about in 2020. And uh, you know the the scripture and actually really talking about the supernatural. We're not going to stop talking about the supernatural because even what we're talking about, uh, anytime you open the word, it, it's supernatural. You know, so the word has uh, you know even the word that he's given us for 2020 is still going to be. Uh, still going to be uh, encompassing the, the supernatural realm that we've been talking about all year. So it's just kind of like building upon what we've talked about. But here's what the Lord told me about 2020, and uh, and we're going to start talking about this as we as we head into it. Uh, of course, you know when you when you see that as soon as you see that uh, the headline or the the numbers up there 2020, the first thing I think about is like 2020 vision. You know, and and when I started praying about it, when I started asking the Lord about it. The word that the Lord gave me for 2020 was clarity. Clarity. And he said this, as I started praying that out and started looking at it, he just started talking to me about, he said that in 2020, that we will have a clarity of vision that we haven't had before, uh, you know, either in a long time or that we've never had. We've, we're going we're gonna to, we're going to see clearly. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever, uh, like had maybe an old prescription of glasses or, Maybe your, your, your eyes have changed a little bit and you were wearing your old glasses. You know, there's probably nothing more frustrating than not be able to see clearly. You know, to look at something and it'd be blurry or fuzzy. And, uh, you know, and when, and then like you go to the doctor and you get, you know, the eye doctor or whatever, or you get new glasses or new contacts and, and you put them all man. And, or sometimes, you know, as, as sometimes people need, uh, uh, the reading reading glasses to put on to read uh, the you know the read the smaller print and stuff and and man when you put those things on and when you see it it's just like wow man this looks so much better because I can actually see what I'm looking at and you know so so clarity is a very important thing to have when it comes to you know to the natural but clarity is so much more important when it comes to the spiritual and when it comes to our spiritual life. Because if we don't have clarity in our life concerning the things of God, we're really going to struggle trying to live a quote-unquote Christian life. Because we're, we're never going to really understand, we're never really going to, um, to get a full grasp of, of what it is that God wants us to do. Now, 
the thing about clarity is this, and the thing about the, the word the Lord gave us uh, for 2020 is this, that it's going to be a year of clarity, that we're going to see things clearer than we've ever seen it. But here's the, here's the, the, the twist, or here's the kick on this, is that we're going to start seeing things the way God sees them, clearer than we ever have. Um, Paul, put that picture up there for me if you would. And we'll just leave that picture up there unless you're doing the Scripture. We'll leave that picture up there. It's underneath the songs there. And, uh, and you know, this, is, this probably is one of my favorite pictures, of, of, uh, and especially concerning what we're going to be talking about. Because it's a picture of a, a small cat looking in a mirror, but then look at the image looking back at it as it's a picture of a lion. And so much, and here's, here's what, here's, you know, to me, this is what encompasses when the Lord, when He started talking to me about clarity and about seeing the way God sees, it's that we're, in 2020, we're going to be able to see ourselves the way God sees us. You know, and that is so important. If you look throughout Scripture, there was time and time again where people didn't see themselves the way God wanted them to see themselves, and it cost them. If you, you know, I mean, just, just real briefly, we'll probably look at some of these stories later, but, but, you know, you think about Gideon, and you remember that story, how he was the, he was the least of the least, and an angel showed up to him and told him, Gideon, I'm, you know, the Lord has chosen you, and you're gonna deliver your people, and, and Gideon said, you know, who am I? I'm just the least of, my family's the least, and I'm the least of my family, and, and the least of the least of the least, you know, and he said, he said, who, who am I to, um, you know, to, to, to get this, you know, to be the deliverer of, of Israel, you know, and, and through, through the series of events, you know, that God had to continually tell him who he was. And when, when he finally saw himself the way God saw him, he sure, surely he became one, a great ruler in Israel, a great leader, a great deliverer of the nation. When you think about the children of Israel, think about when, when uh, Moses sent the twelve spies and they went, into the prom- they went into the promised land to spy the land out. They came back. Joshua and Caleb was part of, that, part of that group. And they came back. And what was it that the twelve spies said? The, or the ten spies? Joshua and Caleb said, said man, it's great. It's, you know, let's take this. You know, God's given us this land. Let's go. And ten of the twelve spies came back and said, they came back and said, no, we can't do that. There were giants in the land. And, and, it says, and, they, were, and they saw us as grasshoppers. And says, and, and, and that, so, so that's what we were in our own sight. In other words, you know, God told, God had told them, I want you just to go find the place, find the, you know, spy it out and see what's out there, but I've given you that land. But they said, the giants saw us as grasshoppers, so that's what we were in our own sight. So God told them they were well able. Joshua and Caleb said, we're well able. God's given them to us. Let's take it. But they said, no, we see ourselves as incapable of taking it. And you know what happened? Because of that, the people believed those ten spies. And the whole, that whole generation passed away without taking the promised land. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that, that were able to go into the promised land from that generation because they had faith and they said, no, we can do, we can do what God told us to do. The key was they saw themselves capable of doing what God said. Everybody else said, no, we can't do it. But they said, no, we're well able. We're going to do this. And, and because of that, the whole generation passed away and Joshua and Caleb were able to enter the promised land and, and they received the, 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 you know, the inheritance that God told them that they could have. So the point is this, and that's only two cases. Think about David. 
Think about David and Goliath when you think about that. David, here David was just a young teenage boy and, and just, you know, uh, and there was a whole army there that Goliath was, was coming out every day and, you know, belittling the army and, and making fun of their God and making fun of their covenant and making fun of all that stuff. And here David was, he heard that and he looked at him and he, he looked at the army and he's like, he's like, who's, who's going to take care of this guy? He's like, you know, who does he think he is? He's, he's, he's talking about my God. You know, he has no right to do that. And, you know, so David saw himself. Now, David didn't see himself as a... Um, I, don't think, I don't think David saw himself necessarily as, as somebody that was bigger and better than anybody else in the army. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us he was probably smaller than the majority of those people. But what David did see was this, and what David did know was this. He knew the covenant that he had with his God. And he knew because of that covenant that, you know, a lot of people saw the giant and they saw how big he was and they said, there's no way we can beat him. But when David saw him, David said, look how big he is. How how could I miss him? You know, so David saw it a totally different way. And of course, we know that David killed, David ended up slaying Goliath and that was kind of the prominence of David. That was the, you know, when David came on the scene. And, but, you know, but all of those stories, those, those three stories I just told you, they were all examples of how, how people saw themselves one way versus seeing themselves another way, and it greatly affected the outcome of those stories. And what, I, what I'm seeing in 2020 and what we're going to see in 2020, what I believe is that we are going to see ourselves the way God sees us, and we're going to walk in the promises that God has said that are, that are ours. We're going to see those things come to pass. We're going to walk in. We're going to be able to to find ourselves just like Jesus found Himself in the Scripture. We're going to be able to find ourselves in the Scripture and we're going to walk in those blessings and those promises that God said are ours. It's time for us to stop seeing ourselves as not able to do what God said and start seeing ourselves as the men and women of God that He's called us to be and step up and start fulfilling the promises of God and start fulfilling the plan of God for every one of our lives. Amen? Y'all excited about that or not? I mean, we can, we can, we can teach something else if y'all are not excited about that. Amen. Well, I, I, you know, as I was praying about this, there's three or four scriptures that, that talk about things like this. And, and as I was just seeking the Lord about today, I just kept hearing, I kept hearing the word mirror. You know, and, and there's, a, there's some scriptures, and of course one here in, in the book of James that talks about looking into the mirror of the Word. And let's look at James chapter 1, and we'll just look at verse, uh, look at verse 22 to begin with. James 1.22 says this, But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, for if you may, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and he goes away and straightway or immediately he forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now notice it says that if you just look in the... It says in verse 24 there, it says, He that looketh or beholdeth himself and goes his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man... And, and that's talking about being a, 
somebody that heard the word and wasn't a doer, said he, he's just like somebody that looks in the mirror, turns around, and just totally forgets who he is. The picture that we put up there about the, the cat is, you know, this is somebody, this is somebody like that cat looks at that, looks at that image and sees that lion, sees who God's called him to be, and if he turns around and he does opposite of what the word says, then he just turns back into that little, little, um, just little kitten. But if he does the word and he, and he obeys the word, instead of just a little kitten, now he becomes a lion. And so as I was reading this scripture, you know, I want, in verse 22, we started in verse 22 and it started with the word but. And, you know, anytime that it starts with a conjunction like that, you always have to go to the scriptures above it to see what he's talking about. Now, James, the book of James is one of my favorite books in the New Testament because it was written by a pastor. Most of the books, you know, there's like three, three books, James and First and Second Timothy, uh, that were written by, by pastors. And most of the other ones were, were written by the other apostles and, and, you know, they weren't necessarily pastors. James is kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. When you, when you break down James, and, and we're going to read the first chapter here, you're going to see that he talks about, he's, he's kind of just like Solomon did in, in, in the book of Proverbs, where he'll talk about something for two or three verses, then he'll talk about something else for two or three verses, and, and he jumps from subject to subject. Well, James kind of does the same thing. Now, James is an interesting fellow because, because James was actually the half-brother of Jesus. And the reason I say half-brother is because he, Mary was his mother, but, but Jesus had a heavenly father. Joseph wasn't Jesus' dad. Joseph was James' dad. So he was Jesus' half-brother. But the interesting thing about Jesus or about James is this. James did not become a believer until after Jesus died. The Bible tells us in John, as a matter of fact, let's look over there. John, uh, John chapter 7. Now this is interesting. Now just, you know, a lot of times we, you know, we ask how, you know, how is it that people don't, uh, that people don't believe, you know, believe Jesus and stuff like that? And how, you know, when they hear the gospel, how is it that, that, you know, people can be full of unbelief and stuff? Well, notice here in John, or John chapter 7 and verse, um, well let's just, re- we'll just start reading in verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, and for he would not walk in the jewelry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. And his brethren, talking about his natural, his physical brethren, his, his brothers, you know, by birth, says, His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that, that your disciples also may see the works that you do. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then look at verse 5. This is an interesting verse. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Now, his own brothers who grew up with Jesus didn't believe him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. They grew up with him. They saw everything that he did. They heard everything that he talked about. And it wasn't until after, after Jesus was crucified that the Bible says that his brethren started believing that he was who he said he was. Now, you know, we, we can always, it's easy to throw stones at people in, in, in our past and, and in history, and we can say, well, how could they not believe that? Well, we have the whole Scripture, and there's people in our lives that don't believe. There's probably people sitting in here that don't believe the whole everything that Jesus said. 
or we don't act like we do. You know, I, I read that, uh, I posted that thing on Facebook, I saw it, I thought it was funny, it's sad, but it's true. It said that uh, every, said everybody says they're Christians until it becomes biblical. You know, when it becomes biblical, in other words, when you've got to start living it out, then all of a sudden everything changes. Well, I don't know whether I believe that or not. Well, his brothers, James, one of Jesus' brothers, James was the youngest of Jesus' brothers. He was the baby of the family. He didn't even believe Jesus until after he was after Jesus was raised from the dead. Then James started believing. Now, right after Jesus, he was crucified somewhere around AD 33 or somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, G, uh, James became just a few years after that, after James got converted and and started believing. James became the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. Now, the church at Jerusalem was one of the it was the it was the the first church. It was the biggest church. It was the one where everything kind of the beginning, the beginning, and the 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 first church. They were. It was based out of the church at Jerusalem, and and everything went out of Jerusalem, and everybody came back and reported to Jerus to the church at Jerusalem what was happening and everything. And James was the pastor of that church. The book of the letter that we have here is actually one of the first epistles written. It was written somewhere around A.D. 45, so somewhere about 10 to 12 years after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, James penned his letter, and it was one of the first letters. Uh, James and then I believe 1 Timothy, I believe, were, were two of the earliest manuscripts written and that we have record of. So James was one of the first ones to write this letter. Now, the thing I like about James is this. He comes at it from a pastor's point of view. You know, uh, sometimes you can have, you, you've heard the expression, or, or I've said it maybe, I don't know if you've heard it or not, but, but like when you have an evangelist come in, you know, we say a lot of times that evangelists, they blow in, blow up, and blow out. You know, and then the pastor's left to clean up the mess. You know, because a lot of times evangelists can say things that the pastor won't say, because if a pastor said it, people wouldn't come back. You know, because they'd get mad at them and upset at them. I, for example, I was thinking, I don't even know why I thought about this, but... I was thinking about my grandpa and uh, my mom's my mom's uh, dad and uh, my grandpa on my mom's side, and uh, and we'd go see when we'd go see mom and uh, grandpa always used to sit on the porch up there. And, uh, you know they lived right above my mom and dad there, and and uh, and we'd go we'd go up and see my grandpa. And I loved spending time with grandpa. He was he was a hoot man. He was funny, but one of the one of the things grandpa always used to tell me, I mean he hardly ever failed every time I saw him. One of the first things he'd say. I'd walk up there and I'd say, I called him, we called him Hoss. You know, I'd say, what's up, Hoss? And he, and first thing he'd say, he'd say, boy, you're getting fat, aren't you? Now listen, that, you know, there's too many people that can say that to me without me getting offended. But Grandpa could. I didn't, you know, I didn't think of thing. I just kind of laughed it off and just, I'd sit down and talk to him. Now, if I came up to one of y'all and one of y'all just looked at me and said, you're getting fat, aren't you? Well, then I don't know that I'd talk to you again. You, you would you would offend me, you know, I, and I'm just I'm playing a little bit, but but you understand it didn't bother me that Grandpa said that because I had a relationship with him, you know. I mean, and I knew, you know, and that was just one of those things that that you know Grandpa said that he said that you know that's one of the first things he'd always say to me. But but you know, so sometimes sometimes evangelists can come in and say things that they can say things different and say things in a different way that a that a pastor sometimes just couldn't say. So James here, in James' book, as James is, James is writing his letter to the, to the Christians, 
he comes at it from a pastor's point of view. And he comes at it for addressing some different issues. And the reason I want to read this is because, because as you get down to the end of the chapter, and we read chapter or verses 22 through 25, and he started talking about the mirror of the Word and being a doer of the Word, I want you to see what he was talking about beforehand so that you can see he was saying, here's some things that you need to do. Here's some things that you need to stay away from. And then, and then as we get down to the end of the verse, or end of the chapter, he says, now, when you do these things, when you look in the mirror and you see yourself and you do these things and you obey the Word, then you're going to be blessed. So, now I want to read this from the Passion Translation. And I don't have, we don't have this up on the screen, so maybe you can just listen. And, and Because see, this, sometimes we forget this, but this was like a, uh, these letters were written to, I mean, in letter form. And he sent these letters, and people would receive these letters and read them, like just like, you know, um, like you get a Christmas card. We got some Christmas cards in the mail. You open them up and you read them. And, and you know, and these letters that these people wrote, that Paul and James and, and Timothy and all these, the, the great men that wrote, that penned the Bible, they were letters that they wrote to the, to the people that they were, that they were uh, encouraging. So I want to read this from the Passion Translation and just kind of sit back and imagine yourself maybe living in that day or imagine yourself as, maybe, maybe even imagine like uh, me writing you a letter, your pastor writing you a letter, and you getting a letter from your pastor, and he's just, he's encouraging some things, he's correcting some things, and he's talking about some different issues here. But this is from the Passion Translation. There we go. All right, back on. So here's here's this letter that uh, that James writes to to the to the people. Now I want you to notice it's very interesting too, because a lot of people would have taken advantage of being Jesus' brother. You know, they would have touted that. They would have said they would have said James, the brother of Jesus. You know, and they would have because that would have opened doors for him. Possibly, people would have you know maybe listened to him more. But I want you to notice as he opens the letter, James never once talks about being the brother of Jesus. Notice how he says this, and his opening in his opening he says this: "Greetings, my name is is uh, James." The Passion Translation translates it Jacob because. Uh, Jacob, the, the name James actually doesn't appear in the Greek or Hebrew. It just a, it's an English translation of, of the word Jacob. But he says, greetings, my name is, is uh, James. And he says, I'm a love slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so he, he didn't say I'm a brother. He just said, I'm a servant of Jesus. You know, and I, I like that because he wasn't touting. He wasn't trying to trying to make people... You know, recognize him just because he was the brother of Jesus. But he said, I'm a servant of Jesus just like you are. He says, I'm writing to all the twelve tribes of Israel who have been sown as seeds among the nations. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to express the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up the power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection 
into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and He will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but He will overwhelm your full, or your failures with His generous grace. Just make sure that you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like a rough sea driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and you're down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? The believer who is poor shall or still has reason to boast, for he has been placed on high. But those who are rich should boast in how God has brought them low and humbled them. For all their earthly glory will one day fade away like a wildflower in the meadow. For as the scorching heat of the sun causes the petals of the wildflower to fall off and lose its appearance of beauty, so the rich in the midst of their pursuit of wealth will wither away. If your faith remains strong, even while, you, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. Truth happen, or True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. When you are tempted, don't ever say, God is tempting me, for God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and He is never the source of temptation. Instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into the darkness. Evil desires give birth to evil actions. And when sin is fully mature, it can murder you. So my friends, don't be fooled by your own desires. Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness, and is never subject to change. God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of His infallible Word, so, so that what we would fulfill, or so that we would fulfill His chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones out of all of creation. Now listen, here's the next few verses that I want you to get, especially. He says, My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all the, all the forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's Word, which has been implanted within our nature. For the Word of life has power to continually deliver us. Don't just listen to the Word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let this Word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. I love that. Let the Word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the Word and don't, give, uh, and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the Word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. 
You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the Word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, they are fascinated by and they respond to the truth that they hear. And they are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessings in all that they do. If someone believes that they have a relationship with God but fails to guard His words, then his heart is drifting away and his religion is shallow and empty. True spirituality that is pure in the eyes of, the, of our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans and the widows in, the, in their troubles and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's views. And then he goes on, you know, he goes on and, and writes the rest of it. I, I, we'll just stop right there. But I want you to see that he talked about, or, you know, uh, James talked about all these things. He talked about, you know, belief. He talked about faith, about having a faith to believe and not don't waver in your faith. He talked about, you know, the rich and the poor. He talked about he talked about uh, taking time to to you know understanding that every good gift comes from God. And, and that when you're tempted, don't say that God tempted you. And he was, he was listing out all these things. And then he came down to, down to the verses we looked at earlier, verses 22 through 24. And he said this, he said, he said, don't be just a hearer of the Word, but be a doer. Because if you're just a hearer only, you'll read all of those things about faith, about, about you know, uh, being a, you know, about, about faith and about being rich and about, uh, you know, being tempted and, and all those things. He said, you'll read that and then you'll just forget about it and you'll go out and you'll live an earthly life, a worldly life, and all those things will creep back into your life and before you know it, you'll be consumed by the world. Just like he, like he contrasted the, the rich man and the poor man. He said, listen, he said, if you're poor, he said, listen, you can still give God glory because, because you're blessed. If you're rich, he said, don't don't just take that and, and don't give God glory. He said because he said because wealth is like like it's fleeting. You know, he said if all you do is worry about money, then it's going. He said you're going to fade away just like the flower does. He, because he said you know it'll be here one day and it'll be gone the next. But he said but but let everyone we can give thanks to God. We can we can remember what God said about us in his word. And when we do that, when we obey God's word, when we take his word and and we look at his word and we say we say God, this is the mirror. He was talking about when he said that uh, verse 24 he says for he that beholdeth himself and goes away straightway forgetting what manner of man he was. Whosoever verse 25 whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue with therein. This is the perfect law of liberty. And just like this picture here, you see this, this little kitten that looks in this mirror, he sees that lion that God said that he is. And if he turns his face away from that and sees all the other circumstances and all the other things that's happening, he'll forget what God said about it. But we can take this, this, this law. You know, in the, in the Old Testament... They told him, they said, put this law before you. Put it in front of your eyes. Don't let it leave your eyes. Put it in, put it in your mouth. Put it in the, on your eyelids. When you get up, when you go to bed, when you walk down the road. And, he, and, you know, it was constantly, keep this word before you. Why? Because this is who we are. This, is, this word will tell us everything that God has done for us. This word will, will share, this word shares everything that He wants you to know about yourself. It's in this word. And if you keep if you keep your 
if you keep your gaze in this word spiritually, and and you know, and, and like when a situation arises, when something comes up, instead of instead of automatically going to the flesh, go to the word. See what the word says about it. Why? Because we're remembering who we are. We're not that little kitten. We're not just a nobody. We're not, we're not a loser. We're not just a mistake. Who are we? We're a son and daughter of God. You know, we, we, have, we are the righteousness of God. We are the holiness of God. We are, we are perfect in His sight. But you see, it's when you turn your face away from that and you start trying to do things in your own strength and in your own ability, you forget. And, and you know, the, the, the language there in the King James... Uh, it just amazes me in verse 24. It says, it says, He forgetteth what manner of man He was. So, who are you? You know, that's the question we have to ask. Who are you? Who do you see when you look into the mirror? Who do you see? Do you see, a, do you see somebody that, that, can, that can do all things through Christ? Or do you see somebody that's always a failure? You see, because, because here's the thing. How you see yourself is how is what you'll receive. Just just because just because God says it in His Word doesn't mean that it's automatically going to happen in your life. You have to take this word and you have to agree with this word and you have to speak this over your own life and you have to say, "I believe God. I believe you. What you say and I this is who I am. This is what I can do." You know, we sometimes we we we'll do it, but other times. We hadn't done it in a while, but but John Osteen had that saying. Every time he would open his open a service up, he would say, "You know, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do." That has to be our attitude. We have to take God's word and say, "You know what? This is who I am." And somebody might say, "Well, Pastor, you know, I'm not seeing that in my life." Well, that's the problem. You're looking away from the mirror. You're looking. You're looking just in your own ability. You know, you're looking at your own flesh. You're looking at your own power. You're forgetting what manner of person God said you are. And you might say, well, Pastor, that's hard for me to do. Well, then you need to spend more time in the Word. You need to stay in the Word. He says, for, he says but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. In other words, he didn't say that you just glance at it and turn around and walk off. No, you continue to look at who you are. You continue to see, you continue to see that lion looking back at you, and you look at it and say, "That's who I am." Amen. Now, you said, Pastor, how in the world do we get there? Every year, um, we pass out. Every year, we pass out at the beginning of the year. We pass out a. We've done this for I don't know how many years now, but we we uh, we pass out these little vision cards. We call it a vision card, and. It has some some uh, confessions on one side usually, and and it has like four or five lines on the other side. And we ask and we tell you, you know, to to go to God and and ask God to give you the the dream or you know some things your vision for the next year. And you know, uh, and of course, you know, we all know about New Year's resolutions. We all know that by the second or third week in January, most people's done failed and give up on their New Year's resolutions. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about we're talking about things that we want to see happen. And as I was praying about this here, and, and we'll have these cards probably, uh, I'll probably have them next week, or uh, I'll probably have them by next week. 
that we'll pass out. But here's what I want us to do this year. Um, the ladies, the ladies did this, did did something, or they did what what they call a vision board, and and you can do a vision board if you want to, but. But what I'm talking about is just simply this. And what a vision board is, basically, is where you put a picture of something you're believing for. You, put a, you make a board and you put, you put things that you're believing God for. And you put it in a prominent place where you can see it every day. And, and you see it. And every time you look at it, it reminds you of who you want to be. It reminds you of what you want to become. And, and it also encourages you and motivates you to take steps to become that person. And so I just want to challenge you as we head into 2020, I want you to start praying. I want you to start asking the Lord. And I want, I want you to ask the Lord for three, four, maybe five things that, that, that are going to change in 2020 for you that you want to see happen. It may be to get out of debt. It may be to get a new car, to get a new job, to lose weight. I mean, it could be any, any of these things, you know, um, and some, some of these are natural things like losing weight or, or getting a new job, but some of them can be uh, can be even bigger than that. It can be spiritual goals. It can be you know huge uh, God sized goals. I mean, it can be anything from from the smallest to the largest. But here's here's the here's what I want you to here's what I want you to do as you do this. As as the, as you ask the Lord about these things that you want to see happen in 2020, ask Him to give you one or two things that you can do every day to see those things come to pass. In other words, maybe if it's to get out of debt, and then, okay, if, if, if I'm going to get out of debt this year, then guess what? I've got to take steps to get out of debt. I'm not going to get out of debt just because I said, Lord, I want out of debt. You know, I'm going to have to take some steps. So maybe the first step would be this. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to start tithing every week. That went over well. I'm going to get out of debt. So the first step may be to tithe every week. You know, and see, that, that is a step. That's something you can do. Another thing may be, maybe, maybe the Lord, you know, as you're praying about it and you're asking the Lord about, about these things that you want to do, maybe the Lord will say, well, maybe instead of spending money on this, maybe you can just save that money. Oh, me. Yeah. That's, yeah. We don't see. Here's here's where the rubber meets the road, right? This is the reason new, that, that New Year's resolutions fail, because you know what? People don't like change, and change is hard. But if you want to change in your life, guess what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to change, and you're going to have to learn, and you're going to have to learn how to make these little. And and here's most of the time, if it, if it requires a huge change, most people won't do it. But if, it, but if you can find little things to do every single day, every single day you can find something to do. Every week you can find something to do to help you reach that goal. And then guess what happens? As you start reaching that goal, and as you see this come down, and as you see this one checked off, and as you see this one come to pass, then man, it just motivates you to say, man, if I can do it here, I can do it over here as well. So just pray and ask the Lord for the next couple of weeks. Ask the Lord three or four things that, that you want to see, desires in your heart that you feel that, that between you and God that you want to see come to pass in 2020. They can be as big as you want them to be or maybe they're just small goals. But, but here's what I want us to do. I, if, since the Lord gave us this word about clarity and about vision and seeing, seeing things clearly the way God wants us to see things, 
then I believe that as we start seeing things the way He wants us to, He'll give us the plan to see those things come to pass. And so as we start, as we start taking action steps, as we start, you know, every, and, and we keep it before us, we say, you know what, I'm going to put this up, I'm going to put it up where I can see it, and I'm going to say, you know, every single day I'm going to look at it, and you might even put scriptures with it. That would be even better. Find a scripture to put with that, with whatever it is that you're believing for. Quote that scripture every day. Get you a picture. If, if it's, if it's a new house or a new car or out of debt or, or something, put those big, put those words up in big letters somewhere where you can see it. Debt free in 2020. You know, and put it up where you can see it. And then every time you look at it, it, it will trigger you to say, you know what? I've got to keep taking steps to do that. Why do you think God would tell, He, He told the people in the, in the Old Testament time and time again, build a memorial. You know, they crossed the Red Sea. Take 12 stones out of the sea and build, put a stack of stones over here. Well, why would we do that, God? So that every time you come by and every time your kids come by this spot, you tell them, this is where God delivered us. This is where God brought us across the Red Sea. And you see, you put that up as a reminder to remind yourself, hey, this is what God did for me. This is what God's speaking to me. And since He spoke that to me, this is what's going to happen. You see, practical things. So much of the time, so much of the time, we as pastors and leaders of churches, you know, we, we want to preach messages that get you stirred up and get you excited, but, but we fail to connect on the, just the very practical things to help you every day. I believe that in 2020 is going to be a very practical year for us. I believe we're going to start seeing things. I believe we're going to start seeing with clarity. I believe that we're going to start seeing some practical things that we can do. And, and that we're going to start seeing step by step. And, and, and when you start walking those things out step by step by step, you'll start seeing, just like that Scripture said there in James, that when you become a doer of the Word, what happens? You'll be blessed in everything you do. When you obey the Word, you're blessed. And James, that's what he was saying. He said, listen, you know, and, and the rest of James, he talks about your words and he talks about... Um, all kinds of different things in the in the rest of the book of James there that's so important. But 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 he said it's interesting to me that he had those lists of all those things, and then he said, now don't be just a, do, a hearer of the word, but be a doer of it. Take take the word and learn to apply the word to your life. You see, every one of us we can look in the mirror every every day. Every one of us look in the mirror. And we see, we see ourselves in the natural mirror. You know, we fix our hair, we make sure our clothes are straight, we make sure everything's in order, and, and before we walk out the door, you know, and some people spend a lot more time in the mirror than others, and it shows on some people, you know, and, and some people, every mirror they find, they stop and look in, and, you know, and all kinds of things. But, but what we have to do, we have to start taking the spiritual mirror and start looking in here and find ourselves in here and say, this is who I am. This is what the Word says about me. This is the man of God. This is the woman of God. This is the person that God said that I am. So therefore, this is the way I'm going to act. This is what I'm going to do. If I'm, if, if, if I'm the righteousness of God, then I'm not going to act unrighteous. And if there's any unrighteous things in me, then I'm, I'm going to get them out. You know, if the Bible says that I'm that I'm a giver and that I should that I should give cheerfully, then you know what? I'm going I'm going to get rid of a selfish attitude, and I'm going to start giving. 
You know, and, and whatever you find, whatever it is that the Lord will highlight to you, you find it and you find yourself in there. You know, we talked in, uh, we talked in Foundations this morning. There's a scripture in, in John where, um, right at the end of Jesus' life, that he, uh, that the Bible said is, I think is, uh, I can't remember the exact scripture, but, the reference, but but it said that, that it was like the Last Supper. It was when they were having the Last Supper, and it said Jesus. It said that that he had the full revelation of who he was. He knew that he was the Son of God. He knew that that he was getting ready to die on the cross. And he said all things had been given him. God, his Father, had given him all things, put all things into his hands. He knew that. He so he had a full revelation of who he was and what he was about to do. And you know, the very next thing he did was, the Bible says he got up took off his robe and washed his disciples' feet. When he had the greatest revelation of his life, he chose to do one of the lowest things that he could do, and that's to wash somebody else's feet. Why would he do that? Because, see, when you truly understand who you are, when you truly understand what it is to be a, a servant of God, a man or woman of God, then, then there will be nothing too low for you to do. If you think, if, if you ever look at, look at, uh, uh, something and think, well, that's below me. I would never do that. Then you know what? Then you're, you're not in the place to where you can be a great servant for God yet. Because the Bible, what does the Bible say? If you want to be great in the kingdom, become the lowest servant. Learn to serve. You know, see, a lot of people, that's a lot of people's problem. They don't want to serve. Now, if, if you ask them to come up and preach or come up and sing, boy, they'll jump on that in a heartbeat. But you ask somebody to, to help clean the bathrooms or to help sweep the floors or to help, you know, park cars or cut the grass or something like that. Oh, no, man, I, I don't have time for that. We see, the, the motives are... And, and is it any wonder why God doesn't bless more people? Because our, our heart, our motives are wrong. And our heart's not in the right place. You know, and so, so we have to find ourselves in the Word. And we have to look and say, I want to be a doer of the Word. And when I see, when I see something in the Word, I'm going to become a doer of it. Now, does that mean we have to be perfect? Guess what? You'll never be perfect. In the flesh, you're perfect in your spirit. But in the flesh, you still have this fleshly desire this carnal desire, and if you're not careful, that carnal desire will override your spiritual desires. And you'll find yourself doing, doing carnal things instead of spiritual things. And what do you do if that's the case? Then you have to find yourself again. You have to get back and, and look in the mirror. You have, to, you have to gaze continually in the mirror to see the man or the woman that God's called you to be. And when you look in that mirror and you see that, you see, man, I, I, I sit here and I look at that, and I think, I think in the in the spirit, just close your eyes for a second. Let's do this, and we're we're getting ready to to close. Close your eyes just for a second. I want you to see yourself looking in a spiritual mirror this morning, and I'm going to ask you this question, and don't you don't have to answer it out loud. As a matter of fact, don't answer it out loud. But I want to ask you this question this morning: What do you look like? What do you see? When you, when you look in a spiritual mirror and you see yourself spiritually, what do you see? You see, I think some of you, some of you say, well, well, you know, not much. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have much of a spiritual life or something like that. But what you need to do, you need to start seeing yourself as a king and a priest. 
You need to start seeing yourself as a warrior. You need to start seeing yourself as an overcomer, as somebody that's victorious. See yourself with your hands lifted high saying, saying, I win. You see, because that's who God says you are. If you can't see yourself like that, then you've got to get in His Word. You've got to, you've got to open His Word and look in this perfect law of liberty and say, say, this is who God says I am. Let me read you two other scriptures, or one other scripture real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Because here's the goal. Here's where we're going. This is, this is the end result of, of where we're going with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says this, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But then look at verse number 18. It says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, that's a mirror, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So see, really, here's the picture we should see when we look in a spiritual mirror. You know, you know what the, the image we should see when we look in that spiritual mirror? We should see Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we should look at Him and say, I'm becoming more like Him every day. I'm starting to look more like Him. I'm starting to talk more like Him. I'm starting to act more like Him. Why? Because we're changed from glory to glory into that image that we see. And if you have the wrong image, if you're looking at the wrong thing, guess what? You're still becoming like what you're beholding. Whatever you behold is what you become like. If you see yourself as weak and defeated and useless and as a mistake and, and, and just like, you know, just the worst thing on the earth, guess what? That's what you'll stay. But when you start seeing yourself as a, as a king, as a, as a queen, as, as victorious, you start seeing yourself just like Jesus, just like this verse says, then you, you will be changed into that very same image from glory to glory. The Amplified says, the Amplified says, and all of us with an unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are constantly being transfigured into His very own image. In every increasing splendor, and every, and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is that Spirit. We're being transfigured into the very image of Jesus from glory to glory. Every day, I want to be more like Him. I want to talk more like Him. I want to look more like Him. I want to act more like Him. How do you do that? You behold His image in the Word. You behold yourself in the Word. You open the Word up and you see yourself, you see yourself looking in this mirror saying, that's who I am. That's who I am. I'm victorious. I'm not defeated. I'm an overcomer. I'm not a loser. I'm, I'm, I'm above, not beneath. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm prosperous, not broke. I'm healed, not sick. I'm the winner, not the loser. Why? Because I'm becoming like Him. Ask yourself this question. What's Jesus like? Was Jesus ever a loser? 
Was he ever a was he ever a quitter? Was he ever a mistake? Did he ever did he ever lack anything? Did he ever miss anything? No, we I mean I think all of us in here would agree that he was perfect in everything. Then guess what? He just told us that as we behold ourselves in the mirror of this word, we're being transfigured into the very same image of Jesus. Perfect and whole, victorious, overcomer. All those things that Je- whatever Jesus was, that's you. You know, that's why Jesus would say, the, the disciples kept telling him, you know, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And what did he tell them? You know, he rebuked them. He said, he said, how long have I been with you? You don't understand this. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, when people, when people ask, you know, when people look at you, it shouldn't be a question of, they should be able, if somebody ever asks you, you know, show us Jesus, you should be able to say, well, just look at my life. Boy, I hear somebody say, oh, I'd never say that. <laughs> you know, that's not Jesus. You know. But it should be. Just like Jesus said, he, if you've seen the Father, you've seen Him. Well, we're being trans, we're supposed, we are supposed to be being transfigured into the very same image of Jesus. In 2020, listen, in 2020, we're going to have clarity of vision. We're going to see ourselves the way God sees us. And we're going to become more like Him every day. 2020 is going to be a year of practical steps of, of, just, of just simply walking out this, this very process of becoming more like Jesus. And I'm excited about it. I think it's, I think it's, going, to be a, it's going to be a fun journey. And guess what? We're all on the same journey. We may be at different places. We may, we may have different, different things we have to do. But you know what? Every single one of us, we're starting to look a, more, a, lot, a lot like Him. If you look at your picture, spiritual picture five years ago versus today, you look a whole lot more like Jesus today. If you look at your picture five years from now into the future, you'll look a whole lot more like Jesus five years from now than you do today. Amen. If... If you keep your gaze right here, you keep your gaze in the Word. You look at, you keep looking in that perfect mirror of the Word, and the and your confession is, I'm becoming more like Him every day. I see more of Him in me every day. How many How many of you have ever ever said, and I'm, and I'm finishing, but how many of you have ever said, you know, uh, you know, I see more of my mom or dad in me every day. You know, as you get older and as you as you start growing, and and you know, and, and I, I remember saying that years ago with my dad. I, I mean, I would say things, and I would just think that's just like my dad, you know, and just kind of laugh about it. But you know, that's that's the way our spiritual life should be. We should say things, and it should it should spark something to say that sounded just like Jesus. Man, that was that was that was a response just like Jesus would have. That was you know that that, that was man. Man, look at that. I mean, and not listen, not getting pride over it. But it should be something that that our our goal should be to become more like him every single day. Amen. Hallelujah. Transformed, transfigured into his image by glory from glory to glory to glory. We're becoming more like him. Amen. Clarity of vision in 2020. Seeing things the way God sees them. And when we do that, then we'll become more like Him.
Amen. Let me pray for you. Well, Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning. I thank You, Father, for the book of James. I thank You for the Scriptures we looked at and the examples that You've given us in Your Word. And Father, my prayer this morning is that every, every one of us, Father, that we, would, that we would see ourselves the way You see us. Lord, we would see ourselves victorious. We, we would see ourselves full of faith. We would see ourselves uh, just as overcomers. We would see ourselves as kings and priests. And more than anything, Father, that we would see ourselves looking more like Jesus every day. Talking more like Jesus every day. Reacting and responding more like Jesus every day. Just the simple, that simple little phrase, what would Jesus do? But, but that's a true statement. Thinking to ourselves, how, how would Jesus respond here? Because I'm, I'm starting to look like Him. I need to act like Him. I need to respond like Him. And it just becomes second nature. It becomes who we are. So I thank You, Father, for, for ministering to every person here and helping us all, Father, to see ourselves the way You see us. Now, Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know You as their personal Savior, then I pray that today would be that day, Lord, that they come to know You. If there's one here today that, that's maybe, maybe fallen off the way and and feel like that they just need to come home and, and get things right with you, then I pray that today would be the day that they, they make that decision in their heart to do that. If there be one here today, Father, hurting and in pain, Father, spiritually, emotionally, physically, I pray that, Lord, before they walk out of this place today, Lord, that that pain would, would leave and that they would be healed, body, spirit, soul, and body. And so, Father, I thank you right now for ministering to each one, wherever, wherever they are, whatever need they might have. And Father, we just rejoice in that. We thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your love. And we give You all the glory, Father. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet just a moment. And I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you need prayer for anything, if you're, if you're not a Christian or maybe, maybe you just need to come back, come back home or, or maybe you need prayer for healing or prayer for... Uh, something else, Stacy and I would love to be able to pray with you, and we want to give you just a moment. We never want to never want to leave without an opportunity uh, to minister and, and let the Holy Spirit uh, do His work in you. So, if anybody has a need at all, then we would love to be able to pray with you. As we're waiting, remember we we do have our meeting about Israel tonight. So, if you're interested in that, make sure you come back at five o'clock, and then uh, Wednesday night we have our regular service as well. Let's lift our hands one more time and we'll just pray and be dismissed. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your love. And thank You, Father, for each person. And we pray blessings on each one. We pray, Father, that, that each person as we go our way, Father, that we can be a good representation of You today wherever we go. That, Lord, that we'll look more like You today than we did yesterday. And, Father, tomorrow we'll look more like You than we did today. So we love You and we honor You today. Thank You for clarity this year, Father, this coming year. We thank You for clarity of vision, to see ourselves the way You see us. We love You and we honor You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Hey, y'all. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, brother. Hey, Bill, how are you?